We've got a great lesson for you today. In fact, joining me here this morning is Sonia Martin, and you're going to be blessed to hear a lot of the things that she is sharing with you today because uh, she's got a lot of experience as a social worker. She's got her undergraduate and, and master's degree in this, and she has a passion for helping parents get the most out of their kids and making the most of our times we, as we discipline our kids. Last week, we talked about some practical steps to discipline. Today, we're talking about keeping the long ball in mind and making sure we don't lose track of the relationship. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Um, so thank you so much for having me. When, you, when I saw the front cover of your bulletin today, and it was all about relationships, I was like, yes, we speak the same language. Thank you. Because it all's all about our relationship with our kids. Yeah, and if you turn your outline over on the backside, you'll see a picture of Sonia and her family. And Sonia, this is not Photoshop. This is your family, They are right? real people that require massive amounts of food. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. You, so when we're talking here that she's a social worker, she studied this, this isn't just um, some educational system you learned in school, you have seven kids and this is battle tested. Very much so. Yeah. Um, they, they keep me running and they keep me going and they keep me in the kitchen quite a bit. So what I love about this though, is we're all in this journey together, right? We're all learning it. We're all trying to figure out what this looks like and how to do this well in a way that honors the Lord. And I'm right there on this train with you. Yeah. And so we are so glad she is with us. Can we have a word of prayer and ask God to bless our time together? Lord, I, uh, Lord, I thank you for that fun little video we just watched. Lord, it's so easy in the middle of raising kids to feel like sometimes we're losing it or we don't even know what we're doing. We get all turned around. And I love it when we come to your word and get some instruction. I love it when we get some practical counsel. How do I, how do I keep first things first? And so, God, today I pray that you'll speak, that you move Sonia and myself out of the way. Lord, that um, you'll encourage each one of us today in important ways. We thank you again for this time together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to say one other thing, too. I, uh, sometimes I talk to people who are single and other things, and they go, well, I don't have kids yet. I mean, do I need to hear something about parenting? And so getting, getting ahead of the game early is important. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I would have known what I know now, I think we would all change our trajectory of our functioning with our kids. So it, oh. it doesn't matter kind of where you're at in life or What's going on? This, this will be valuable in a, a few different arenas. Yeah, after our 8 o'clock service here, some people came out and go, where was she 20 years ago? And I go, yeah, I don't know. So I, I mean... I was this, just being born. The, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. With that in mind, let's go to point one, okay? Uh, the need for relationships is key. The need for relationships is key. On the front of your bulletin, every week when you come here to Centerpoint, it says it's all about relationships. And the reason we do that is because in Matthew 22, Jesus was asked one day, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Basically, what's the most important teaching in all the Bible? And Jesus said, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. He said, if you keep a right relationship with God first, and a right relationship with your neighbors, second, well, then you've pretty much understood the gist of the Bible, what it's really all about. And Sonia, that's not just true for Bible study on Sunday or Wednesday night or something like this. The need for relationships is key in parenting. Right, absolutely. And we have to go, well, why is that, right? Why is that such a commandment for us? And why does that then compel everything we do in relationship with our children? And the reason is, is because when we are in relationship with Christ... 
right? We are so driven to be in direct alignment with him as we walk forward. When we are with him and when we are in that intimate relationship with him, he defends us, he provides for us, he serves us, he loves us, right? Because we are with him. Well, I would argue the same is true for our kids. When they are with me, when they are in relationship with me, I can teach, I can train, I can lead, I can discipline, I can love, I can serve, I can protect, right? But I need them here. I need them in relationship with me. So that's really the why, you know, as to why relationships are so critical. Yeah, and I love one of the references you'd request that we put Ephesians 4.23 in here. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes, because... This is a challenge. Sometimes we need to renew our thinking in the midst of a, a temper tantrum with our kids or something like this. Sometimes I'm not thinking about the relationship. I, I'm if in a certain situation. I might just want to try to control them, right. but controlling our kids that doesn't last long, or it's not yeah. sustainable, is it? Yeah, controlling um, is very effective when they're young, right? So you can control a one, two, three, heck, four-year-old, right? But pretty soon they're going to be bigger, stronger, faster, maybe smarter, right, than us. So that's not sustainable. So what I argue and speak into so often is let us grab the heart of the kid because that's the ball game, right? That's the end game that we're after because our role in their lives is going to shift and change and wane as they grow, as they age, as they go into different life parts of their lives. Let's be the foundational part of that, right, that grabs hold of them and is their consistent base. Right, and that brings us to point two, relationship then. If we're in right relationship, that compels obedience. Yes, yes. Um, can I illustrate this for you? Oh, sure. Can I touch the John Schmidt flip chart? Uh, just today. Okay, all right. I wasn't sure if it was protected ground. Um, so obedience is great, right? I am for obedience. Uh, yes, ma'am, and obey works very, very well for me, right? Nothing wrong with that. But for this purpose, uh, obedience is like the roof of a house, right? Roofs are great. They keep us warm and dry and safe and love that. But the thing is, is if you want to build a house, the first thing you do isn't go put a roof on. The first thing you do is you pick a plot of land and you pour the foundation. And then through day-to-day engagements with your kids, loving, leading, teaching, training, serving, providing, right? All of these little moments that we have with these kids individually every day begins to then build the walls of the house, so to speak, and all the components within it. Through relationship, we get the walls, we get the door, you know, we get a window, then we shiplap it, because that's what Joanna Gaines would do. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty, pretty. Right? And then we put the roof on. The relationship compels the obedience. But oftentimes what I hear and what I see is that parents are wanting obedience in the absence of relationship. And that will never, never work. The reason I am compelled towards Christ and to be obedient to his commands and to be with him, right, that it just... It just compels every fiber of myself is because I am in relationship with him. Therefore, I want to obey him. If our kids aren't in relationship with us, they're feeling disconnected from us. You're not going to get the obedience. So my encouragement would be if you're finding that your kids have gone a little sideways before you, with all of your might, try to grab that control, right, and force that obedience, check your relationship. If there's fractures in this, this is coming down. So that's really, it's, it's the component that kind of illustrates that, I think, the best, that that's why we obey. That's why our children want to obey us when they feel that connection with us. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Sonia's referring to the concept that Paul spoke about. This is in your outline, Romans 13, verses 9 and 10. Paul wrote, for the commandments say, 
You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments, they're all summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. What Paul is saying here is, is, is exactly the same concept. Look, the commandments are don't steal, don't commit adultery. Well, if I love my neighbor and I love my neighbor's wife and I love their marriage, I want to support their marriage, not break it up. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to steal his stuff. If he needs help, I'll share my stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to covet and be jealous of him or her. I'm going to applaud. I'll go to the award ceremony and I'll be the first one cheering. And he said, this is the way it works with the Lord. He wants us to come to him in a loving relationship. So that we come to him as his children. And we love him. And he said, this is, and when we share that love with others, we do the same thing. And then it's not obedience to a set of rules. It's not supported by this, but it stems out. Our obedience comes out of love. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you're talking about. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it kind of, it it plays itself out across many areas of our life, right? Let's say you're at work one day and you make Mm -hmm. some massive mistake, like you've screwed something up so, so terribly. And your boss calls you into his or her office and he just lays into you. He's screaming at you. He's yelling at you. He's telling you how incompetent you are. What does that do to your relationship with your boss? Disconnected. Do you at all feel in that moment that you want to be in relationship with him? No. Do you in that moment, or you're kind of mumbling under your breath and you go out and you mumble to your coworkers about your boss and, you know, all of that? Yes, that breeds disconnection. Now keep that same example in mind. You've made some massive mistake at work one day. Your boss calls you into his office and he says, hey, man, I heard what happened. It's going to be okay. How can I work with you in this? How can we make this right? What does that do for your relationship with your boss, right? It breeds a spirit of connection. Well, the same is true with our kids. They're going to screw it up. They're going to make mistakes. They're still learning. This is the process of childhood, right? The goal is not to get them in some sustainable, everything is awesome. They never screw up. They're going to instead look like this. They're going to have moments where they fall off the rails. They're going to have moments when they get it wrong. But it's these moments when handled appropriately When we come at them with that spirit of, baby, I'm here for you. How can I help you? How can we make this right together? That's the ballgame. Yeah, in fact, um, you asked us to read Colossians 3.21. Here's what it says. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they'll become discouraged. And we can aggravate and discourage the heck out of our kids if we're expecting perfection or expecting them to see things from our point of view. They don't. They don't look at the world the same as I do, do they? Yeah, exactly. They're coming at this through a totally different lens. (laughs) Like we see childish behavior or defiant behavior or disobedient behavior, and we we take it personally often, right? We're we're human. I do the same thing. I do this professionally. I get this right half the time, right? I'm messing this up uh, just as much as everybody else. But we look at it through our lens. And what we have to remember is the lens through which we view this world and the lens through which we view our functioning and relationships in our homes and schools and such every day is not the lens through which your children are looking through it. And just keeping that in mind and approaching them in those moments with that understanding changes the way that we engage with them. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is at the heart behind all the scriptural teaching on disciplining our kids is reminding ourselves, hey, this is all done in the context of a relationship, and this is because we love them. And not just, we're not just trying to get out of a jam in a sticky situation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that brings us to point three. 
So when our kids are acting up, it's important to remember, again, there's always a need behind the behavior. There's always, always, always a need behind the behavior. And again, to speak back into the lens issue, right, all we see is the tantrum in front of us. All we see is the kid throwing themselves down in the middle of the floor. All we see is the adolescent that's gone into their room and slammed the door and, you know, is in there breaking stuff in their room. That's all we see. We get so caught up so easily in that behavior that's just in our face. And we get frustrated and we get angry and we get embarrassed. And all of these emotions that we have then is driving our response to these kids. Instead, if we can get in the habit of take a beat, take just a minute and go, what is he struggling with right now? Let me see the need behind that behavior. One of my older sons... um, He's about six foot three. He's a left-handed pitcher and a left-handed first baseman. He was being scouted to play college ball and had a massive injury early in his senior year that totally wiped away that opportunity for him. Well, as part of that experience, he started to go a little bit sideways, right? I wasn't getting this beautiful picture that I had had with him before. Now, I had a couple of options on how to engage with that, right, and how to help him through that time in his life. But, I mean, on a practical setting, I would do things like I showed up at school one day his favorite five guys, bacon cheeseburger, and a drink. They called him into the office. I handed him the bag with the burger in it, and I said, baby, love you, just wanted you to know I was thinking about you today, and I left. Now, that's different than me standing there going, baby, I was thinking about you today, here's your burger. Say thank you. What? (laughs) Say thank you. You're not even going to say thank you. I took time off work. I drove here. I got the burger. Okay, you know what? Whatever. You're welcome. Right? I'm not going to get into that. (laughs) Like, I wanted to make a deposit in his love bank, so to speak, right? I wanted him to know, baby, I know you're struggling. I know this is hard for you. I know your life has just taken a turn that you weren't expecting. But, baby, I love you, and I'm here. And so through small ways like that, we grab that relationship. We hold on to their heart, and that's the critical component of it. Whereas if I had kind of taken this road of, you know, let me just put you in your place kind of a thing, we may have had a different outcome. Yeah, we, uh, I included in the outline here Proverbs 20, verse 5. This is a proverb that doesn't get enough play. It simply says this, The purposes of a man's heart are like deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. I mean, it's the importance of having a good counselor. I mean, you know, if you have a good friend, they can ask you the right questions at the right time. You don't even know yourself what you're thinking about something, and all of a sudden they ask you a few questions, and you say something, and they go, well, I guess that's what you, that's what you feel, and you go, well, that is the way I feel. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't even thought of that. Well, it's so important in the parenting realm to do the same sort of thing, to find out hey, what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. And I remember when uh, somebody taught me, when our boys were young, they said, well, hey, if you don't feel like everything's going great with your boys, just go home. When you get home, put your hand on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And they gave me this advice. Just put your hand on their shoulder. If they move away, things aren't okay. Mm-hmm. And then what I would do is then that evening before they went to bed, I'd go sit down in the corner of their bed and go, hey, buddy, um, I don't think that everything's okay with us. Can we talk? And we'd yeah. talk about the relationship. And when they were smaller, things, they'd sometimes burst out in tears. Dad, you hurt my feelings. You, you made a promise that you didn't keep or you yelled at me. And then I would have to make an apology and things because mm-hmm. the whole idea here was it's like, hey, what's driving this? Why are they moving away from me? What's happening? And what's going on? And other times... They were going through something at school that didn't have anything to do with me. Right. But I just, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And I love that. And that's such a practical way to check in with your kids. So if you want to know how this is going, do things like that, right? Approach them. Go to them. Just kind of hang out with them a little bit. Get that feeling. And instead of when they start to go a little bit negative because they've had a rough day, I'll take that personally, right? Drive through that 
and just r- rope them in and, and gather them to you and have you be their foundational base through which they encounter this world, hmm. the base through which they encounter other relationships and trials and joys and everything that they come across in this life. And that's, that's the long game. My dear brothers, take note of this. This is James 1.19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I shared last week, we shared a lot of practical parental discipline tips this week. We're talking about how to maintain the relationship through all that. But uh, I'd mentioned to you on this, Sonia, that you know, one of the things, sometimes when my kids would act up or other things, I'd be upset. I'd, I'd ask them to go to their rooms, and I'd say, I'm going to go talk to you. I need to go cool down for an hour just mm-hmm. so I can talk to you. Mm-hmm. without Because I, I didn't have the right perspective at the time. I'm just mad. Right, right. <laughs> and, but that's part of being human too, right? Right. Yeah, and that's the thing is we're all going to screw it up every now and then, right? We're all not going to get it right. Hello, me. Um, it is only a loss if you don't take the opportunity to make it right in that moment. And what I mean by that is when you screw it up, when you get it wrong, when we lose our temper, when we lose our patience, when we say something we shouldn't have, whatever it is, and we go to that child, say, baby, I'm sorry. I, should, I shouldn't have said that to you. Will you forgive me? Sure, whatever. Yeah, okay. Thank you, baby. Love you. High five and you're out. What a model of demonstrating repentance, because where else are they getting that in the context of middle school, high school, right? Sorry, I punched you in the face and took your lunch money. Will you forgive me? Right? Like, that's not... (laughs) That's not going to happen. That's not happening. So the the place they're going to learn it is with us, and that's why, you know, being in that relationship together, but modeling it when it goes wrong is so, so critical that if we, if we give them that forgiveness and we approach them in that way, that's, that's huge. So it's not, I want to encourage you, it's not a fault. It's not a defeat when you lose it, um, if, you, if you take that extra step to make it right. And that brings us to step four in the outline, seek the heart. Yeah. Seek the heart. And you mentioned this at the beginning, but this is playing long ball through all the mm-hmm. discipline here. It's like, hey, I... You know, I've got to work with kids through adolescence, through breakup with girlfriends, through Mm -hmm. financial concerns, fights, discipline, whatever, you know, self-discipline, whatever, all kinds of issues. And each kid's different. Right, right. But that relationship, seeking their heart, that's the key. Yeah, that's critical. Um, Can I make you another little pretty drawing? Because here's here's what's happening. And there's nothing wrong with discipline. Let me say that. I'm not anti-discipline. I just want the heart above that. I want to put things in the order that the Lord puts in the order for us, right? Be patient with one another. Love one another. Be humble with one another. Bearing each other's burdens. I want that to be the way that we engage with our kids. But fair enough to say, oftentimes not the way we engage with our kids. Our kids have a burden. They have whatever's going on in their life. And we can so easily dismiss or we can so easily get irritated by that. And this is what happens when those moments occur. Our kids feel unloved in those moments. They feel disconnected. Because they feel unloved, they are going to operate in a manner of disrespect. They're going to be mouthy. They're going to lie to you. They're going to slam their door, whatever it is. In some manner, when they're feeling disconnected, they're going to be disrespectful to you. When they disrespect you, we have a tendency to respond to that disrespect unlovingly. Go to your room. To talk to me like that, go, 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 right? We respond unlovingly, which then perpetuates their response to even further be disrespectful to you. 
which then solidifies that feeling of being unloved. So they feel unloved, they operate out of disrespect. When they disrespect you, you're responding unlovingly. When you respond unlovingly, that's cementing their disrespect. So the catalyst for change comes right here. When they disrespect you, what you do in that moment changes this whole thing. This is called the crazy cycle. It's based on Dr. Emerson Egret's Love and Respect. He just came out with a new book that's specific to the family, so this is kind of loosely based on that. But this is the ball game right here. When they disrespect for you and you can come to them and be that boss that said, baby, I'm here. How can I help you with this? Let's meet the need behind the behavior, right? Let's look past that disrespect and go, what are they struggling with? Are they feeling disconnected? Well, that's the ball game. We then respond lovingly. They then respond respectfully. They start to feel connected and loved again. And then they operate out of a spirit of respect and we have a whole other cycle going on. But what's happening right here is so critical. If I can give timeout as just a, a little example, um, and I don't mean to be anti-timeout, but let me point out just one facet of that just as an illustration. We teach these kids, one, two, three years old, go sit on the stair. You're upset. You're angry. Go. You're sixth, seventh graders. Go. You're upset. You're irritated. You're being moody. Go to your room. Go to your room. Go to your room. Go away from me until you get it together. Well, fast forward a few years, we have a 16-year-old that has a terrible day at school, walks in the house, slams their door, and goes to their room. Well, why did they go to their room? Because we taught them to do that. We taught them, you're upset, depart from me. You're angry, go away from me. And that's not the game I'm playing, right? That's not the game that Christ plays with us. He says, come to me. And that's what I want from my kids. Baby, you're sad, come to me. You're upset, come to me. You're scared, come to me. I am here for you. So it's really rethinking a little bit of our engagement pattern that changes their entire functioning. Yeah, and, I mean, and this is why I wanted Sonia to be here because sometimes in the midst of the heat of the moment, we lose track of all of this. And we're not lovingly sitting down, and, hey, how are we going to deal with this problem so this doesn't happen again? That's not our goal in this. It's just to control the situation and get out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to pray about this stuff. Love is patient. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Mm. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. Yeah. I mean, think about if we just even prayed through that list. Lord, help me today as a parent not keep a list as long as my arm of all the wrong things my child has done. And every time they mess up, let me bring it out in front of them again. Mm -hmm. How crushing that is. I mean, we could just eliminate some of those things. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, here. I mean, we all want to be heard, right? If you ask any adolescent in the room, when they make a mistake, what do they want? They want to be heard. They don't want you to show up and be like, well, you screwed up, so now this. There may be room for that, and there may be some room for some natural and logical consequences, right, as our kids kind of make these missteps, and that's fine, but having the heart is what drives it, and my desire is to approach my kids the way that Jesus approaches me, and I get this, and I get what I do in my home through this, and if he says be patient, and he says be humble, and be kind, and love, and all of that, that's going to drive what I do. Yeah, Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry. He's filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He doesn't punish us for all our sins. He doesn't deal harshly with us as we deserve. 
For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens is above the earth. He's removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He knows how weak we are. He remembers we're only dust. And last week we talked about, sure, the Lord disciplines his children because he loves us. And this, this week it was so important to me for us to have this reminder here again of, hey, why are we entrusted with children? I mean, God gives them to us so we get to raise them. Are we praying for this every day? Do you pray for the ability to parent your kids? Only every moment of every day. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I so want to honor the Lord with the responsibilities that he's given me. And so how do I do that when I say, Lord, how do I do that? It's yeah. here. In fact, it was interesting to me, you'd requested that we put Lamentations 3.22 in here. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Yeah. Why is that verse important to you? Well, a few reasons, but mostly I will say this. I love a fresh start every morning, and I know my kids do too, right? I'm not, if we're, if we're still calling them out, or punishing them on something they did a month and a half ago, maybe time to rethink, right? Maybe time to understand how God approaches us in our failures and mistakes and rope that model into our engagement with our children a little bit because I don't want somebody holding that over my head, every mistake that I've done and every wrong I've wronged. And our children certainly don't want that as well. And it's so incredibly important, especially as they start to enter into that adolescent period, that we really grab hold of that and partner with them in those mistakes and in those moments. So this morning, um, it's important for us to remember um, who God is and his great love and that we get a chance to disciple our kids in a very important way by praying for them, praying with them, and asking God to help us shape them. So would you mind praying for us today? Yeah. No, that's great. Sweet Jesus, we just thank you that you have given us your word that drives and dictates and speaks into how to handle every situation, Lord. I just encourage all the parents here, Lord, and ones that are going to be parents, that they wake up in the morning and their feet hit the floor and your mercy washes over them. That they will not be filled with a spirit of failure or discouragement, but Lord, that you would encourage them. Lord, that you would give them insight into their child's heart. And, Lord, that your presence would just be so filled up in each home that we can honor you with this precious responsibility you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we give a round of applause?